I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Call it out. Chocolate. Well, you're very welcome to Podcast 71 with me, Nigel Wheatley, and him, Pork Mio. Hi, Pork. Hello. How's it going? So, before we go any further, it's been sort of five, six weeks since we've been on the podcast airwaves, the pair waves, um, because we've both had some big life events um, that have altered our cinema habits and uh, opportunities. So I had a baby. I didn't physically have the baby. I, yeah. I, I played a part in its creation, and yeah. now it's rearing. Um, and you've moved house. Oh, yeah. I was trying to figure out when you said we both life. had it. It's like nothing yeah. com- compares to having a baby. watching you move house was very challenging. You are in the same house for a couple of years. Yeah, six years in the old spool. Uh, so former towers. spool. Yeah, a lot yeah. of recording in that house and a lot of happy memories. Um, mm. Did we record the first podcast in that house? Uh, oh, nah, maybe probably not. Stony maybe Butter. On, on Malachy Road. Anyway, yeah. the main thing, you were within a stone's throw of the Lighthouse Cinema and Cine World sitting up there just off the River Liffey. You've now moved to Ranala. Yeah. What's your local options? Are you finding you're still coming Mines, uh, Or sorry, yeah, the Swan and Rothmines. I haven't gone to any of them yet. I'm still going to Cine World because it's free. Good man. Good man. And the Stella. Free as in uh, subscription. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I can either pay... 20 euro, 20 euro or, or go on cheap can you walk to either of them then yeah oh both yeah they're like a 10 minute walk um, but you can't or you could drive to Dundrum or something if you wanted to see some other I suppose yeah I don't really know where Ranel is in relation to yeah like in, I would be close to Dundrum yeah okay okay anyway I wish you well sure. Cineworld is probably the fir- one of the furthest cinemas I could go to yeah so maybe if Cineworld picked up another location that'd be good on the south side, which we've always talked about um, yeah. somewhere near Stephen's Green. There's a weird gulf. If you're yeah. standing at Stephen's Green Lewis stop and someone's like, we'll walk to the cinema. I don't think any other city in Europe would yeah. have that thing where you'd have to walk for 25 minutes or whatever it is. There is a cool thing. Am I right on that? Yeah. 20 odd minutes? Yeah. There's a, it's cinema related, so bear with me. On the way I drive to work, there's clearly a building under construction. Uh, it's in between Tesco's and Bunsen for any Ranla heads out there. And... I was stuck in traffic and I was reading it and I was just like, oh, new hotel, cool, restaurant, blah, 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 art house cinema. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Apparently it's the guy who owns everything in Dublin now, who like owns Stella, owns all the Wild Burgers. So he wants owns... to put a compete, uh, complimentary cinema. Seems to be, yeah. Right. Well, there's loads of rich, white, middle class people in Ranelagh. There are date nights. Yeah. I've yet to see a black person. Just realised that in my head. Yeah. Yeah. You would, that's why you go to Parnell Street, you though, get to see out a little bit of, yeah, a bit of diversity. Yeah, it's its own. Certainly, I think you could set a lot of horror films in Ranelagh. Yeah. Anyway, um, here we are in beautiful Stony Batter. You traveled long and hard to make it across the city to yeah. to uh, to record here. Um, we've seen loads. It's been about six, seven weeks. There's a lot to get through. So we're just going to spend two, three minutes on. We've got 10 films to see. So we're going to start just to get us in the mood. Here's a little bit of Johnny Greenwood's piano. So just to set the tone for this. That could nearly be from The Shape of Water or anything. But it is, of course, uh, some of Johnny Greenwood's score for the new Paul Thomas Anderson film, Phantom Thread, which uh, came out uh, a couple of days ago. And some Oscar nominations for director, actor. It's got six, I think, in total. So Mm. it's very cool. Um, I was a little bit worried about it in that I really didn't dig Inherent Vice at all. Um, It looked quite boring from the trailer as well. Phantom Thread, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I and then to go back, the master was an interesting, possibly a masterpiece, possibly caught up, Emperor's stuck clothes. up his own arse a little bit. But um, anyway, Phantom Thread is uh, set in 1950s post-war London, seemingly an edge of London or a suburb, like somewhere like Kensington, where they can get into the car and drive to like little villages. Looks like some sea. of the Crown was set there. Yeah, so I don't know where that was, like somewhere where they drove to, but also places you can walk to to get mushrooms. That that confused me. Where oh, was yeah. she getting the mushrooms? Oh yeah, Hyde Park. Yeah, yeah, maybe or maybe they just had. Anyway, um, Daniel Day. That wasn't the same house though. That was like that the was a country, country retreat. Yeah. Okay. So there was a, that was where the seaside place was. 
So clearly, okay, <coughs> that of course makes sense. But he sense. stayed in a hotel in the seaside place, so... At start. Yeah. Plot holes. Anyway, um, Daniel Day-Lewis plays Reynolds Woodcock, or Reynolds Woodcock. Um, uh, he is at the centre of this big British fashion house called the House of Woodcock. And uh, his sister, Cyril, played by Leslie Manville, lives with them. And the very unique kind of relationship, very one... They both need each other, obviously, to do whatever. Mm. I think a fantastic sibling dynamic, though. I yeah, really brilliant casting. Kind of thing. Yeah. So um, they dress, I think it's the, the a princess for Belgium, like celebrities. They all want the House of Woodcock clothes, and people will come up to them in restaurants saying, one day I hope to be able to afford a blah, blah, blah dress. Figure. So um, we don't really know much about him at the start, I suppose. We, we, well, no, we know women kind of come and hang out with him he says he's a confirmed bachelor but then he seems to just he have needs women a muse, as if he needs a muse yeah he views them he views them more like kind of models for for his creative output weird dynamic but um mannequins mannequins i suppose is what sort of what he's thinking of them anyway um a woman who i think she's french is she alma or is she german i can't remember we're not actually told i think he, he meets in a little cafe she's a waitress alma played by uh, vicky Kreps, creeps um she sort of weasels his way into his life and they develop a very very unusual dynamic um where but the norm for him seemingly this is kind of how the relationships work for him it seems to me that he needs someone to kind of be shackled to who he can kind of cast off but also who sort of treats him a bit he, he gets into it more when she starts treating him like shit yeah anyway um, we've got a short little clip here which uh, sort of gives you a bit of an insight into the sibling dynamic here would you like me to ask Alma to leave no why well if you're going to make her a ghost go ahead and do it but Please, don't let her sit around waiting for you. I'm very fond of her. Oh, you're very fond of her, are you? Well, in that case... No, don't turn it on me. I don't want your cloud on oh, my shut head. shut up, oh, no, You can shut right up. Don't pick a fight with me. You certainly won't come out alive. I'll go right through you and it'll be you who ends up on the floor. Understood? So there you go, a little bit of an insight into the dynamic, and she can seemingly cast off the women for him. And yeah, because you do wonder if the sister is, you know, in it together with him. But then that's kind of the first instance where the sister's like, cop on to Daniel Day, and is a bit like, you know, she's yeah. I like her, and don't treat her like crap if you're going to do that, you know. Yeah. Um. So I knew very little about the film. First of all, I I adored it. I didn't know what I was going to think of it. Um absolutely they're the three people at the heart of it but in particular Daniel Lewis and Leslie Manville you can watch them just sitting there and their decisions as actors and actresses um, in what they do and how they're shown on screen like these lovely long shots just watching them do stuff um, is it's brilliant very engaging um, the setting the house the production design mm. is brilliant I don't know should have researched a bit I don't know where the house is what did you make of the way of the driving scenes I thought they were Incredible. very interesting yeah they were great I really want to I wanted to look that up I need to read like a cinematography thing felt like they were shot a little bit quicker did you think they were yeah, sped up yeah yeah sped up look? but I just wonder is that the way because he probably shot it on film so he would mm. have like a big fucking ca- on the back on of the, the car bonnet. so yeah. it's not just something that naturally happens when you shoot like that I don't know but yeah there's love he's driving some sort of maybe an Aston Martin mm. or some sort of probably a British kind of thing um, yeah and big big fan of that and just live, being in that car being in their house was, was mm. brilliant there's um, a lot of good humour in it that's oh, intentional it's, yeah. oh, it's, it's mostly hilarious yeah. there was a thing going around before the film where Paul Thomas Anderson was asked would he do, ever do comedies and he's like I think this is a comedy and you're like no there he goes again. He's because he's a funny guy. Yeah. Um. But the film is hilarious. Mm. Um. I guess a bit of Boogie Nights is kind of a comedy, right? Or if you go back and watch The Master, uh, there's some really hilarious moments in that. And Inherent Vice is pretty much like a comedy noir. I suppose. Yeah. But at a t- yeah. Okay. Anyway, I don't want to talk about Inherent Vice. That was your film of the year from a couple of years ago. A couple I think. of years ago. Yeah. Would this be your film of the year? What do you give it out of five? I'd give it four. Uh, it four, didn't have yeah. the emotional kind of 
like I loved it's a it. Bit lighter, then. loved watching it. Yeah, and fantastic. Like there's scenes when she kind of goes to the New Year's Eve party. That whole segment is amazing, and I just loved it. Mm. Uh, I was kind of waiting for the weirdness, like the more weirdness, and then it did happen. I'm not going to give it away, but it happened mm. to do with one of the final dinner scenes. Yeah, and the whole thing is kind of turned on its head to a degree. And you're just like, oh, this is a bit bonkers. But the audience kind of went with it too. And I think you, know, you buy into it. Yeah. 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 We, we saw it um, at a parent baby screening, which is the native way for me to see films now. And audience were very into it and laughing. I thought it was really, really yeah. funny. My favorite bit um, is where he kind of, they have a conversation about how to cook asparagus. Yes. To his flavor. And it's not, not in butter. I hate butter. Oil is hot and it's just these little things and like nagging. He seems like such a bollocks. But yeah. An There's a real thing. kind of like the graduate moment when yeah. after something happens and he's with his partner and like the way she's eating the cereal off the spoon and he's yeah. just kind of like, what have I done? Yeah. yeah. And the great a la Citizen <laughs> Kane, like breakfast scenes between the families sort of form a good backbone of mm. it, uh, which is really good. Yeah, I'd be in the maybe the four and a half. Yeah, a solid four, but like thinking about coming over to the podcast tonight, I was like, I kind of want to go see this again. So yeah. maybe it could elevate to a five. Yeah, which is lovely to start the year with these. Do you think you'll get the Oscar just for the crack of it? Like, I Well, we're going to talk a little bit. Maybe we'll, let's talk now about, we'll skip ahead to Darkest Hour. Um, yeah, so Darkest Hour is the film that John Lewis uh, will be competing with the star of. So Gary Oldman plays... Uh, some guy, Winstone Churchill. Um, I've never heard of him. I think he's a scripted character. I'm not sure. Mm. And uh, in the first month of his, actually at his ten, at the start of his tenure, at the train, at the changeover with Neville Chamberlain um, as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, uh, and Winston Churchill's first couple of weeks in the lead up to D-Day. Isn't that it? And um, no, well, it's kind of getting the lads off done. The landings, yeah. And nice. whether are they going? To, are they going to actually have talks with? Yeah. Um, well, this is an Hitler. interesting thing. Like, I didn't do history for the Leaving Search. I was far too mm. busy doing construction and real subjects. But yeah, I don't really know much about this thing. And you're like, yeah, I suppose there probably was a bit of pressure to just chat with with mm. Hitler because we didn't know quite the horror of what he yeah, was. Yeah, because this kind of doesn't come up in either. Well, the crime is the most recent thing, or Dunkirk, mm. because it really yeah. hits home that like if they didn't get the guys home from Dunkirk. Basically, the war was over. Yeah, yeah. But um, this isn't as good as Dunkirk by any means. No. Um, or The Crown. Oh. Or the, yeah, probably not. Um, also, there was a film last year um, just called Churchill that I got very confused by. Um, There's this absolute spade. And Brendan Gleeson plays Brendan Churchill Gleeson from a couple of years ago. And John Lithgow. Um, mm. And they all seem to win awards. Uh, who plays I think him? the Americans are. And who in... plays him in The Crown? Is that John Lithgow? Uh, no. Oh, um, oh, Brian Cox. Sorry, John Lithgow is in The Crown. Crown. Then there was a Brian film Cox. last year where Brian yeah. Cox plays him. Anyway, um, yeah, Bren Mendelsohn as the king um, was sort of grand. That was weird, list, yeah. But I was like, is this the same? I was trying to remember. I was like, is this the king from the king's speech and all that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, why couldn't they? I wish they could just cast the same people in all these films. Imagine seeing yeah. thingy from uh, Doctor Who or then like Colin Firth or something. Who cool. played Churchill in the king's speech? Was he even in it? That's a good one. Um don't remember one of my favorite will you let me to just you yeah so i also think the dog is it the dog from the insurance (laughs) ads that you know that you're on a sick day from work (laughs) and you just see the churchill bouncy bulldog he's my favorite Churchill. yeah there's also churchill in uh colin might know this if he's listening um inglorious bastards there's a weird scene where i don't think mike myers plays churchill but he plays like an english general and there's clearly a churchill figure in uh in the room at the same time but i don't know if it's a recognized actor uh, T- Timothy Spall apparently oh, very good. plays uh, yeah looks oh, the part yeah. Yeah. yeah well this is it so let's talk, talk about the film it's only here as a vehicle for Gary Oldman to win an award um, I think he does very well lots of prosthetics good performance but he was not I was trying to look back if he'd gotten any proper awards consideration very little over the years but nominated for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy that was uh, mm. six years ago at this stage so I wonder if he's um, going to be tarnished with the whole kind of Me Too and backlash because there's stuff kind of coming out about his past with the next wife so I wonder if we get closer to the thing will it tarnish I don't think he should win it I think the Americans are infatuated with British. Brits and British yeah. World War and especially Churchill yeah. like and this there's scenes in it uh, Joe Wright who we know from Atonement Atonement and what's the the musical the Russian um, 
Oh yeah, uh, you know Anna Karenina. Anna Karenina. Yeah, that kind of thing. So the scenes like this in the House of Commons where uh, the way it's lit and it's like a football it pitch looks or like, stadium. Yeah, it looks insanely well lit. And I was talking to um, my wife's brother, who is a sort of history note, and I was like, "Would it have looked like that? Would they have had electricity?" And he's like, "Of course, they had electricity in the mm. mid four. Like, and this was a House of Commons, so they would even they wouldn't have been waiting on daylight to have a uh, and all the dust in the thing. So yeah, um, the scenes in it that are it's gotten great reactions in cinemas, and I can see that. And again, this isn't our history. We hate." We hate um, England. And what it is doing is highlighting that Churchill was a bit of a prick in terms of all the other yeah. warmongering that he did. Like, he, he is painted as a hero of the 20th century. Yeah. But really, he was very good at propaganda and dragging people along. And he was, yeah. The so, train scene is just ridiculous. The tube scene. Yes. It kind of loses all credibility yeah. for that. You're just like, no, come on. And, and they like, didn't need to make up stuff like that. We're like, no, we get it. We get the inner conflict. You don't need to pretend that Churchill was some warm, cuddly, yeah. I'll talk to the people. Yeah. Kind of nonsense. I don't know. Yeah. I keep harping back to the crown, but like, just were like, I was all up for hating that. And I was just like, this is actually really interesting. And I like these characters and stuff. So I think just because we're Irish, we can still engage with it and appreciate it. But yeah, it was, I just think it's very poor film. Uh, yeah. So I think I'm in the like perfectly fine two and a half, three sort of camp. Maybe yeah, I'd give it a two. And yeah. maybe in history, history will be kind to it. But again, this is the kind of film that should be on ITV at you know five o'clock on a bank holiday Monday and it'll do lovely you know something to compete with Great Escape yep. so he's probably going to win though odds on you do can't you think? win any money yeah he he it will take a lot from not to not okay and um, we might chat then while we're in that mode we're doing an Oscars podcast in a couple of weeks but uh, we'll just this is the other big heavy hitter um that's probably gonna second favorite for the Oscar for Best Picture and its favourite for Best Actress. Actress. It is, of course, three billboards outside of Emmy Ebbing, Missouri. Um, Missouri. So, uh, Missouri, <laughs> yeah. So this is about a mother, uh, Mildred, played by Frances McDormand, who feels like there's been a miscarriage of justice. Her daughter was raped and murdered in a horrible kind of way and set alight and just pure thing. And she's in this horrible little small town and she feels like nothing's been done there's not she's not really saying there's a police cover up she's just saying police are lazy as fuck basically yeah. and doing nothing so she opts to buy three billboards and put up um, stuff it's interesting about the like slander laws what can you put on a billboard in public so I actually can't remember the word. Did you recognise your man from Twin Peaks? He's the guy who um, sold them. sells the billboards. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's kind of cropping up in a lot of stuff. I think Caleb he was in um, Free Fire or Firefly. Not Firefly. The Ben Wheatley film. What was that called? What was it called Free, Free Fire? Fire? I think yeah. he's in that momentarily yeah. as well. Um, good good actor. Yeah. Um, he has a bit of a rude awakening at one point in the film mm. where he's thrown out it's of quite window. a funny scene though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... It's she's kind of goes after Woody like, Allen, or sorry, not Woody Allen. She goes oh. after Woody Hall, Harrelson, Freudian slip there. Leave for Woody Allen out of that. He's uh, cleared of all the charges. Yeah, um, he, yeah. So she goes after Woody Harrelson plays uh, the chief. She picks on him as the person. To be fair, he has a bit of a an art of journey. He's got cancer or something in it. Um, oh, fuck, it's out a couple of weeks. He kills himself at the end of the first act. I think that's not a spoiler, is oh, it? Oh, no. I haven't seen it. It's out that's nearly a spoiler. A month. Is it? That's Sorry. A, yeah, we'll have to uh, go no, back and record a spoiler. This one's been out. Um, yeah. This one's been out for a couple of weeks, so this is a spoiler discussion-ish. Um, but then at the centre of it is uh, Sam Rockwell is a lower down policeman, Dixon. He's possibly going to win Best Supporting Actor. I kind of um, hope he does. He's a real gobshite in the film. He's, he's kind of playing that slack-jawed yokel racist cop. Dude tries to become a hero in a way so I really enjoyed the film when I saw it saw it again parent and baby screening um, and it was our first so it was a bit high anyway from seeing it and I've had some conversations with people about how it's incredibly flawed and there's very it's divisive this film is divisive yeah. I just enjoyed I thought I enjoyed the experience but, I but thought I it think, was really entertaining yeah, scripted like a play you can see Martin oh McDonough. totally yeah and I wonder, a lot of people are kind of giving out that we don't um, there's no recognition of what Sam Rockwell's character did. It's a race related crime and he how he seemingly kind of gets off scot-free. But I think he goes through a change and it's like, are people not allowed change? Which or, crime is race related? You know, he's obviously done a thing that's kind of in his past. 
Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. there's a thing attached. Not not the crimes that he committed during yes. the film, the uh-huh. assault. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no one in it is particularly likable. Like, and the, but it's a reality of a small town. Like, and people are like, oh, token token black guy, and um, the women Holman. aren't very well depicted. As in, there's a, a Dumbo uh, girlfriend of of Mildred's ex husband, and then the woman who works in the poster shop with your man is also mm. a bit of a gambino but you're like this is possibly reflective of the small town like, yeah and the main actor is a woman it's Frances yeah, McDormand exactly. who gives an amazing so, performance it's just this I don't know the climate of outrage been, and everything yeah you know I don't know how anybody wins anymore um I don't know either anyway so it's second favorite in there um what else I'd give it a solid four yeah, yeah. And if anyone, it did get me thinking, we don't get enough Frances McDormand. And then I was like, what else have I seen her in? There's a series called Olive Ketteridge that um, is adapted from short stories. If anyone hasn't seen it, they need to watch it. Dig it out. Find it. I just need to mention that as a plug. Perfect. Um, so I suppose, what else have we got then? A few more lighter films then. Um, we'll chat a bit about one of your ones if you want. Uh, yeah, we go with Coco because that opened quite recently um, as well. It's the kind of new animation. I don't know what to say. Is it from Disney, Pixar? Is it Pixar? Is it Disney? It's Pixar. Like the Disney thing comes up first on the thing, which is interesting, and then Pixar. And um, I think that's just because Disney owns Pixar, right? Yeah. What doesn't Disney own now? So Coco is... There was a bit this, of controversy. This podcast, we are fully independent. <laughs> There's a, there was a bit of controversy because um, when people started to see the trailer for Coco, uh, it bore quite a semblance, uh, resemblance to uh, Day of the Dead or Book of the... I'm not 100% sure of the film. It was basically a previous animation that kind of follows the same story. And then when you see characters from it, you're like, they kind of look like identical characters. Seemingly, it's the people worked on both films and there's no animosity over the whole thing. Everything's cool and they don't really mind. Um, so it's about... It's set in Mexico on the Day of the Dead. and When Mc- is the Day of the Dead? I don't know, is it Halloween? 5th May, no. No, it's Cinco de Mayo. <sighs> anyway, Nigel looked that up while I kind of talked this. So uh, it centers around Miguel, who's this kid, and he's mad into music, but his family, all his older uh, aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters are like, no more music in this house because back great-great-grandfather was a musician and he left the house, just was kind of like real playboy didn't come back and left the mother alone to find a Nathan Carter type character like a rogue yeah so um, then the mother kind of has to come up with a solution a Joe Dolan character more so yeah Yeah. so then he the mother kind of creates a shoe business and all the family are involved in it and there's no music but Miguel is mad for music and he kind of is secretly keeping a guitar and doing everything like that and um, his idol is uh, Cruz he's kind of like the guy from the trailer he's all in white and he wants to perform in the like um, mariachi Band. talent yeah, yeah. contest thing. Oh, yeah. So he goes and he does that, but he doesn't have a, a guitar because he gets found out and his granny smashes the guitar. So he goes and steal, steals Cruz's guitar from his like mausoleum. And then when he plays it, it kind of puts this spell on him and he is transported into the, you know, the afterlife and all the dead people are there. And they're like, which oh my is God. a powerful sequence. And you're like, see what they're doing there yeah so the only way then he can get back to the land of the living is if his family who are dead are there kind of um what's the word give their blessing and originally they're like like, some sort of purgatory agreement or that's no problem you can go but you're never allowed to play music and he's like no i'm gonna find cruz because he's realized that cruz is his actual great 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 grandfather so he's like i'm gonna find him get his endorsement so then he kind of comes across Hector, who is, there's a lovely kind of thing in it whereby the families in the land of the living all put the photographs of the relatives. And that's the only way they can come back and come to the graveyard and visit people. So If they are remembered. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Hector, no one remembers him. Or like he's remembered, but no one puts his photo out so he can't get across to the other world. So then he kind of forms a bond with Miguel to be like, look, I'm going to get you to your dad. I'll give you my photo so then when you go back that means I can get across. Now I leave the kind of story that it all changes and mixes up and if you're not uh, I thought you were going to spoil it I might no, spoil no. it all. No if you're a 12 year old kid you'll probably figure out where the plot 
is kind of going, you know, you kind of twig and you're like, all right. And there's caught caught me off guard. (laughs) Well, there's certain parts of the film where you're like, oh, come on, just do it. And then just do that. And you're like, grand. Now, there's kind of lots of plot holes. One of the ones I really liked was so a thing happens when you're forgotten, your skeleton dissolves and disappears and Miguel's like where do they go it's like I don't know so like it is this kind of nonsense thing there also seems to be no hell or like heaven everyone's just there because as the story reveals there's people there who've done some pretty nefarious shit Mm. but they're just like "Ah, that's grand we're all here hanging out together once we're remembered we all get to go here yeah I saw it a bit after you're watching The Good Place on TV yes yes Netflix which sort of plays with a bit of this morality stuff as well but I, I kind of wondered as well. I was like, is there a bad version of this world as well? Or yeah, I suppose it's a little bit idyllic in Coco, where um, yeah, you just you're all good people. Yeah, kind of. and it looks fantastic. It's a great or world. If you purport to be a good person. Yeah, so it is enjoyable. Kind of nice messages yeah. there. So it's the big Oscar favorite to win the best song, as we know. So um, for remember, remember me, me. Oh, yeah. okay. We take a couple of minutes of it. Sure. Or, Two seconds, seconds. Of it. yeah. Because this is, yeah. I'll explain why I'm iffy on this. I think you know. Remember me, though I have to say goodbye. Remember me, don't let it make you cry. For even if I'm far away, I hold you in my heart. I sing a secret song to you each night we are apart. Remember me. So there we go. That's the bit of Remember Me. You're saying you prefer the other song, Un, po- Un Poco Loco. Yeah, it's more catchy um, and kind of the yeah. uh, genre, but, I think, more so. Yeah, we'll take five seconds of that. What color is the sky? I'm my amor, I'm my amor. You tell me that it's red. I'm my amor, I'm my amor. Where should Fair enough. I put my yeah. Fair enough. I don't know. Remember anyway, me is a bit whitewashed and just yeah. kind of like generic. So these are up against uh, Sufjan Stevens' uh, Mystery of Love from Call Me By Your Name, which you may still, still have not seen. seen. I'll get is it I'll anywhere. S- it's in the lighthouse on like a Tuesday at midday. I'll see it before the Oscars. I'll find a way. I know, but seeing it in cinema would be great. Mm. It's it's on a very slow burning success run in America as well. It's doing very very well. It's been out for about three months. Mm. It's great. Um, the other. The second song that it might be up against is from The Greatest Showman, which uh, I read a thing there is now the number one film in England, even though it's been out six weeks. Wow. It's on some weird word of mouth. Or... I don't know anyone who's seen it. I've seen it. Oh, you've seen it? Yeah. All right. We're not talking. So give me 30 oh, seconds. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's very entertaining. It's uh, it's like a roller coaster. It never lets up. It's just constantly bang, bang. Here's a song. Here's a song. Here's a segment. There's no second of like we're going to have a deep meaningful it's just like no show 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 and I think it's really uh, rewriting history because T.P. Barnum seemed like an absolute prick and exploiter of people yeah whereas in this it's just like he's a great guy who gave you know in quote freaks and like bearded ladies their place to shine cool Um, and I love um, so it says music from it I don't know what the song is but is it oh yeah it's good and it's it'd be kind of like Moulin Rouge it's kind of like you know pumping and um your man's great in it i have a real soft spot for him the other guy he's kind of funny he's good uh joke um i don't know anyway you will come back to that the yeah. other guy um all right so also what have we got left we should probably talk a bit about did you see coco uh yeah did you enjoy it what so you i agree with yeah exactly i thought it was fairly light and fluffy i didn't really buy into the morality thing as much as i could have Sorry, um, but I, yeah, it's it's yeah, it was decent. Like it's not as good as Frozen, and it's not as no, good as, doesn't have the big numbers. Yeah, so and the, and the guys who did the music did it as well. So yeah, so that's where we're at. So will we talk about the Is other that, kind of big Oscar, the biggest Oscar contender, maybe Shape of Water? No, that's a preview. Oh, sorry, the we're post still in the films that people oh, can see sorry. right now. It's okay, the review okay. section. So the post. Works not very sloppy since he moved house. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'll just start off by People saying... People know what the post is, yeah. As didn't in really Steven Spielberg, yeah. a cast of many, many... Meryl Streep plays um, Kay Graham. She's kind of like the, the owner of the Washington Post. She recently kind of became the head of the board because her husband died while committed suicide. Everyone else just said like, oh, he had an accident or, you know. Hmm. Um, Tom Hanks then plays Ben Bradley, uh, who is the editor-in-chief of the Washington Post. And they kind of... 
come across is the guy from the Americans. Yes. Yeah, Matthew, Matthew Rice. Yeah. Um, he plays Daniel Ellsberg. He's like, um, he's a military person who... He's Edward Snowden before Edward Snowden. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So he kind of leaks the, these trove of papers that kind of spans four presidencies whereby they knew the Vietnam War was a loss that shouldn't be in it, but they were just kind of keeping it going for morale, didn't want to be seen as losers. They got called the Pentagon Papers. The New York Times gets them first. Then they're basically told, no, you can't print them. Then it turns out one of the guys who works in the Washington Post knows, pretty much figures out who it is. The guy who, from Veep, I think it was. Yeah, who kind of figures out who he knows the guy. And then um, the Washington Post has them. So then there's the whole thing of like, do we publish or don't we publish? You know, we're going to be brought to court. We're not. And... Zero drama. I didn't. Wasn't yeah, I suppose my my central thing was they did no work. Um, they just were handed something saying, "Do you want to risk things and leak these?" As opposed to the guy who spent the months and months for the New York Times. I'd be more interested in his yeah, journey. Slant. And then, of course, they. Um, so she had a conundrum. She's like, "Do and Meryl Streep is like as uh, Kay Graham. Her thing is kind of playing it a bit like you know Maggie Thatcher." In terms of her performance, she's all she does for a lot Oscar for the again. Oscar or for the film is uh, hold her glasses in her hand like this mm. and has a weird look on her face where she's mm. pensive. And I'm like, no, I, I feel like they got Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks and we're like, great, this, this film now is fantastic. But yet yeah. they didn't do anything with them. Her um, her advisor is also in a film we're going to talk about uh, Lady Bird. Okay. So it's a lot of crossover. Michael Schulberg is also He's good in it. And Timothy Chalamet, who's not in this, but yeah. this, uh, Michael Schulberg is in think three film or he's in three Oscar ones this year anyway yeah um, post uh, perfectly watchable grand um, not a huge amount there was of nothing at risk though at any point like Spotlight um, came out a year or two ago and it's ten times yeah the and I, again I suppose the thing for us to remember is this was groundbreaking at the time because the freedom in the press was very important to people in an age before oh yeah but if and you like go his, and watch but I would have preferred more of Matthew Reese's. uh whatever Daniel Elberg his mm. Ellsberg um, his journey as the leaker and like what did he have to go through because they just sort of you were like and who leaked and yeah so yeah. Anyway. but like if you go in and rewatch all the president's men that's still drama and like yeah. that's from 30-40 years ago almost now yeah. so I don't know so solid um, and but every single person you see in it is kind of famous which is fun so it's kind of like Lincoln in that way Spielberg uh, I'm going to very very speedily talk about Downsizing this is Alexander Payne's film it's going back through I was like has he ever um, like got a, he's on about a 20 year run of solid solid films so we've had Election about Schmidt Sideways The Descendants and Nebraska all probably four and five star films um, have you seen the trailer I know you haven't seen this yeah they did a weird thing with the trailer where I saw the first one and I was like oh that's kind of cool then I mm. saw the second longer trailer and I was like oh I've basically seen the whole film yeah what did they show in the second one that she doesn't go with him Oh, yeah. No, you haven't seen the whole film. You've seen oh. the first 20 And then he minutes. goes on a big journey. Yeah, his journey is very strange. So, anyway, okay. this is uh, scientists learn how to shrink humans to, like, the size of, so it's about a matchstick. Um, it's seen as an ecological thing, good for the environment, because you, you produce less waste, you use less materials. It's fun. It's a fun idea. It's very quirky and wacky. Um, so, Matt Damon plays a guy who is interested in this. He lives somewhere in Omaha, Nebraska. And he, Omaha, is that right? Nebraska? Yeah, Nebraska State. Yes. Um, and he, just kind of boring life. Um, then his wife, Kristen Wiig, plays Audrey, decides to go with him, but then decides not to go with him. So then he's alone and he has this giant house, but he blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he discovers at the edge of this idyllic land, which they call leisure land, um, he discovers like slums and he befriends this uh, sort of Vietnamese woman who lost Healthcare her worker or something yeah. yeah and then and Christoph Waltz is his neighbor and he's like this vagabondy guy and they go on this weird journey they end up in Sweden in a colony uh, working out what to kind of what to do so midway through the film you don't see you stop seeing big people the joke of seeing big people is gone after about okay. half an hour they're just all small all the time so actually they're just normal size oh so it kind of or it's like you're watching the borrowers or something yeah that's exactly it's kind of like the borrowers so it's still really watchable and i liked its central message but it's two films like it's very it's very confusing matt damon's a bit bland oh, damon. <laughs> but I, I i don't know it and in my first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, Alexander Payne's at it again. Like the struggles of middle-aged white men. But then 
really he plays with that because he wants you to think that and then it's actually about like world hunger and peace and all this so a fun film um the very last current release because we've loads we're burning through them all that uh is one on netflix so two big releases on netflix i was watching super bowl last weekend and they announced the cloverfield film was coming out um on that night no one knew about it and uh, i wondered apparently it's absolutely shite i didn't even wonder if it was a film i wonder i saw the thing on netflix and i was like oh is that a tv series or yeah so they just pushed it out without telling anyone uh, it's apparently very poor but anyway the other one is one that uh, you're going to intro there yeah so it's a futile and stupid gesture just saw the trailer for it like a couple of weeks ago and was I was like oh fantastic it's about the foundation kind of of National Lampoon people in this side of the world would kind of know it from like National Vacation and stuff like that but originally it was a magazine kind of did you know that? Uh, kind of roughly but not to the extent of its popularity like i did get bored of the rings uh when i was in college i was kind of like yeah yeah i've that at home i was like oh this is cool um yeah so will forte plays douglas kenny and donald gleason plays henry beard and the two of them no donald was in it i'd forgotten the trailer Ah, okay so distracted yeah so the two of them are meet at harvard and kind of work for the harvard lampoon kind of setting up that's where they made board of the rings then they leave college and set up their own magazine called the national lampoon and um the magazine publisher is matt walsh who you'd know from veep yeah and then and he was in the post i haven't made that up right no he was yeah yeah yeah. so um yeah it's really interesting kind of you'll know loads of people in it well like people you know the the characters and the actors yeah there's familiar faces there's a great the one i loved the most was that joel McHale plays chevy chase Mm. and joel McHale and chevy chase are together in community community. and i was like that was kind of nice um so i doing bill murray was good was pretty good then he did a bit from caddyshack and i was like oh he's very good yeah um belushi was pretty good i think that's i don't know if you watched um broad city i did not I know uh, he I plays bevers and that so oh. it's kind of um yeah it's good fun film um sorry the other main character is um martin mull he kind of narrates the whole thing and he's kind of playing like a modern dog which really confused me because spoiler alert of the way the film ends where I, this is actually <clears throat> a question because i was like this is true life so i was like is that a spoiler i didn't know that now i'm upset yeah and um, if you really don't know anything about the film just mute skip yeah. forward 20 seconds blah blah blah, blah. Um, so he dies. Yeah, he, com- commits, he commits suicide, suicide in or like falls, probably commits suicide. But I was really confused because in my head, uh, Martin Mull was basically him growing up and was doing the narration. Yeah. So then when he's there, I was like, uh, for a while, I was like, oh, this is just a like a quirky joke, National Lampoon thing. And then I had to go and look it He'll up. Show up at his own funeral kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, it is actually real. Oh, this is kind of sad. Yeah, I found that ending uh, devastating like I thought it was really really mm. that the the realisation he died and um, Will Forte is very good yeah. in it I think um, I, my, I think I enjoyed seeing that early the early years of Saturday Night Live because we're all a bit obsessed with that show yeah. um, and seeing where they all came from it was good um, it was a real light. forerunner yeah. to SNL kind of yeah. and like the history of it was more kind of fascinating yeah and the director did Wet Hot American Summer so there's a lot of that same Bye. energy yeah. and like big cast loads of joking I'd say they would great fun making it um, so I love yeah, how self aware it is like Martin Mull kind of comes in a lot of the time to be like a lot of white people in this room <laughs> it's just like he was yeah. loved by a lot of white people yeah <laughs> no I think they know that so yeah um, did you see the story I wanted to send it to you last week a cameo in it no um, I'll just send I'll look, I have it up on the screen here so Harry Crane who you remember from Mad Men um plays Harry Crane in it um, at the party uh, that's oh I'm fantastic just showing you a picture he's just here he's in costume oh brilliant um, yep so oh that's cool why why not yeah uh, yeah but um, yeah it's quite sad because like uh, Will Forte is playing uh, Douglas Kenny he basically just loses the plot with the amount of money he's making because they make Animal House which at the time was the biggest comedy ever Yeah, and then he kind of gets pushed out, pushed out of Caddyshack and I've seen Caddyshack and I'm like Caddyshack isn't that great so I'm kind of yeah. with him on that like Animal House is the better film yeah and what is fascinating is he's devastated when he um, goes to the cinema and sees Airplane and you get it like that's yeah. kind of like well that is that sort of turned a new chapter into yeah. a new era of comedy um, yeah so he just kind of loses the plot with the drugs and cocaine it's funny and... with the National Lampoon like our, my version of those movies is 
the Chevy Chevy Chase, like the, the Christmas, Christmas and summer vacation. And the summer, and yeah, it's a different kind of world to the yeah the full. It's uh, more kind of like Mad Magazine crazy yeah. SNL vibe. So anyway, but great to see these kind of films showing up on mm. Netflix. I don't know why it couldn't have been in the cinema, but sure. Whatever. I think it was a Cannes, was it, or Toronto? Toronto, I don't know. Um, so a couple of things they're all available to see either on demand in cinemas or whatever um, so yeah right now it. right now so four films are going to just very quickly preview that's coming out um, the big one is probably we'll talk about The Shape of Water will we the mm. Oscar one so. the biggest Oscar nod at the, this year, for this the year's favorite, Oscars the favourite yeah 13 12 so, yeah. and the favourite for uh, best picture yeah so from Guillermo del Toro and stars Sally Hawkins, Octavia Spencer and Michael Shannon. Like they're kind of the core people. And, um, and Michael Schulberg, maybe. Schulberg. Yeah, he's Dr. Hofstetter. And then Richard Jenkins is the girl's And Doug neighbor. Jones, who's currently starring in Star Trek uh, Discovery. Okay, I'm not watching that. Well, you're missing out. He's brilliant. Oh, okay. He plays all the monsters in this So here he plays Amphibian Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, so really nice film. Kind of set in the... 60s 70s kind of again post maybe sort of middle of the cold, cold war cold war cuban missile crisis on the horizon so i'd yeah. say early 60s and uh sally hawkins and octavia spencer are cleaners in like a science research facility they acquire a new asset turns out to be this amphibian man and michael shannon is the the security detail for it so we have a quick clip here. It just kind of sets up so you get a bit of the dynamic. Sally Hawkins is unable to speak. She can hear. So you'll just hear Octavia Spencer and Michael Shannon. Will you look at this? Look. Some of the best minds in the country peeing all over the floor in this here facility. There's pee freckles on the ceiling now. How'd they get it up there? Just how big a target do they need, you figure? And get enough practice, that's for sure. My Brewster, no one's ever called him a great man, but even he manages to hit the can 7% of the time. <laughs> Excuse us, sir. No, no, no. That's all right. Go ahead. You ladies seem to be chatting enjoyably. Girl talk, no doubt. Don't mind me. So, um, yeah, there you have it. Bit of a, a bit of yeah, kind of energy from Michael Shannon. Uh, so he's really kind of scary, you know. Um, he, he places a cattle prod down on the sink and um, which he uses for working with these yeah. creatures or so a kind of accident happens in the lab he gets two of his fingers bitten off by the creature and then octavia and sally are rushed in to like clean it up and this is when they kind of meet the creature and then sally kind of because she feels kind of like uh, an outsider because she can't speak and she feels different we notice she has scars in her neck that are never really explained but kind of become important and yeah, so she kind of builds up this love relationship, like a relationship with the creature that kind of develops naturally. And at the same time, um, Sally Hawkins has this neighbor played by um, Richard Jenkins. And he's uh, he's it's very like obvious that he's gay and he's uh, like a illustrator for kind of the Mad Men character. And he's been pushed out. So he's this other outsider and he's kind of infatuated with this guy who works in a local pie store. So it's all these kind of kind of outsider characters who come together and then we have Hofstetter, the doctor, who wants to kind of learn from the amphibian creature, whereas like Michael Shannon is the military with the military behind him to be like, let's can we just, use it? Can we weaponize it? If yeah. not, can we just let's just kill it and learn what we can from it? So then a plot is devised to like rescue the creature. And um yeah, I'd say I'd leave it at that. Really, really loved it. Um it's a bonkers film. Like mm. it like if you've seen the trailer, it's kinda of even more bonkers than what is in the trailer yeah if you think oh are they gonna go there they probably will go there yeah but it's a magical film yeah it's and the, the audience kind of goes with it and i like that it is an adult fairy did you tale. Even laugh and you're like did your no. audience actually go with it yeah yeah and i went to see s- it in cine world i think yeah well, it was only limited so yes so there would have been good kind of uh people film fans i suspect if you went to this on like a saturday at four o'clock where people just got a bit confused maybe and saw from the director mm. of hellboy on the poster maybe because you do have to just allow it to wash over you it's a classic hollywood like there's a lot of 
nods musical and nods to, and yeah, that, the bits yeah. where you can see why it would be going for best picture. But it's amazing the idea of Guillermo del Toro winning a director Oscar or a best picture, like definitely yeah. brilliant. Like, yeah. So, um, I would be more than happy if it won. I think again, I guess it's high marks, four and a half maybe. Yeah, I'd be giving it a solid four. Yeah. Um, so in that vein as well, out in 10 days at this, or out on February 23rd, whenever that is, maybe you're listening to after this, is Lady Bird. So this is Greta Gerwig's uh, first major film as a director, I think. Um, and it's kind of like a love letter to her hometown of Sacramento, California, and being a girl at the end of high school. And Did you see the reverse trilogy theory? No, with Francis Howard. Yeah, no? so you had Francis Howard, then you had... I know the I know the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now Lady we Bird with her, her as mental child. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, maybe. The other one, Noah Bombach, apparently not much input on this. Yeah. Uh, but did you listen to her Mark Maron? I did, thing? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of feel like I also listened to the one with I can't remember her name, um, the woman who's in Louis and Roseanne. Laurie Metcalf. Yes. Oh yeah. So he's another one with her. So I kind of feel like I've seen this film. I know. This is round like this. I feel bad. Like this is was talked about six weeks ago in America. Um, there was a preview for this, like in yeah, yeah December. Press, here press previewed. Everyone has seen it. Sir Ronan is winning. Like if does all this kind of bullshit, and you're like, oh, can normal people see the film? And you're like, oh, it's out in February twenty third. So I think a real, a real old fashioned kind of release strategy here by delaying it for so long. I don't know why. Um, it's third favorite for best picture, but um, yeah, I think. It's a while since since I saw it at this stage, and I feel like I kind of have forgotten bits and pieces of it. But it it's just such a, f- a nice film to kind of spend time in and get lost in. And I think the energy that Saoirse Ronan brings to it, like it's unlike anything she's done before, and you can kind of see her doing a bit of the Greta Gerwigy stuff um, in it. Like, and it, it's not apparently it it's not Greta Gerwig's autobiographical like, film, but yeah, having not seen it, but like what i've read and seen the trailers and stuff like that it seems like a solid film but it's oh, not yeah. a masterpiece uh yeah right. well no it is, it is excellent but no it's, it's it's a very nice independent film i thoroughly enjoyed it but um i don't it, it doesn't feel big enough to be like maybe you're making any great statement one thing to look out for uh what's my favorite topic when it comes to analyzing and reading cinema mobile phones, phones. The film is set in 2002. It's great. It's just at the turning point where people were starting to get like flip phones and smartphones and stuff like that. Um, so I would give it a big thumbs up. Cool. Based on that. Look four? out for the phones. Yeah, four. Mm. Maybe a bit. Mistress America was the middle film. Of course. So it seems trilogy. to be like Francis had Mistress America because that's the college kid. And then. And then, yeah. And yeah. she is removing herself more and more from the process where you had Francis had where it was about her. Yeah. Uh Mistress America, she was kind of like an ancillary character. And now you have Lady Bird where she's not in at all, but it's really probably the most about her. Same it feels it. very much. And it's been lovely to read like Sacramento the City Council have like put up billboards thanking her um, and congratulating her on her Oscars. Yeah. And Big all fan of Greta Gerwig. A lot yeah. of people kind of hate her. Uh, even more so than Saoirse Ronan. Um, Idiots hate her. Uh, you can't really hate Saoirse Ronan as well. Like, I yeah, I don't know where that comes from either. I like. think pure jealousy. We're a horrible group of people. Yeah. Um, do you want to quickly give a shout to I, Tonya? I, Tonya, I saw this like what seems like four years ago and uh, there was a massive pre-lead uh, uh screener of this so yeah uh, margaret robbie is up for best actress and um, she plays tanya harding and it was great like i started watching the trailer for this and then stopped because i was like i realize obviously you're american you might know this story i had no idea of it yeah um same here yeah she's an ice skater and tries to compete in games it's actually that's all yeah she's kind of from a bit like you know wrong side of the tracks dirt poor um area and uh completes in this kind of high flute and ice skating is almost like a ballet kind of thing where it's just like they all seem to be really rich privileged people yeah i did wonder how she learned to ice skate if she was actually that like, did i i just they could have dug in a bit there but yeah so alison jenny is also up she's probably the lock for best supporting i think she's going to beat laurie metcalf in ladybird yeah yeah so she plays uh, her mom and uh, we have a week and she's very funny i yeah. love her like that show um with anna Faris, mom is not a good sitcom but the two of them oh, okay watch them all day what's that other small thing the west wing that she was in back in the day never heard of it is, yeah. it, a, is it a sitcom kind of yeah is it on rte probably on the player there somewhere I, <laughs> so here's a quick clip from i tanya to kind of get the mother's vibe Lovana. 
slip on it. I'm so sorry, but there's no smoking on the ice. Oh, well, I'll smoke it quietly then. This here is my daughter, Tanya. Mrs. Harding, I told you on the phone. I know what you told me, only you've never seen her skate. I don't train beginners. All she does is talk about skating all day and night. Can't shut her up about it. So it's easier for me to put her on ice, if you know what I mean. And we figure with the right training, she can make the most of her gift, like ice capades maybe one day or something. Yeah, so the dynamic is great. And, like, I really didn't know a lot of the story. So Sebastian Stan plays Jeff Gilhooly. Um, who is kind of the on-off partner of her for a lot. The film takes a real weird turn that kind of came out of nowhere when he starts beating her up, which was really shocking. It's a very violent film. Yeah. I didn't. And it really jars or something. And they do it in a way where you're like, he said this didn't happen, she said it did. And that kind of goes on. Like the trailer for it tries to build it as Goodfellas. It's not really, it kind of jars a bit. Some of the CGI is not great when they're trying to recreate you know, the ice skin and stuff. Some yeah, of it which, looks a bit dodgy. Which dodge. is understandable that Margot Robbie wasn't going to be able to yes, yeah. become a pro. Um, but one of the kind of standout characters is Sean, the bodyguard, who's played by Paul Walter Hauser. He's a real kind of deadpan kind of comedy figure in it. Uh, it's very enjoyable. I think oh, yeah. the supporting for the mum, sure, but I don't think Margot. You know. uh, no, it's Frances McDormand will yeah. I hope her. she brings Tanya Harding too. She brought Tanya Harding to the Golden Globes. She was at the dinner table. I was like, God, that's weird. So I hope she brings her to the Oscars. That'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, I it's a decent enough film, but it didn't have much I guess I found it kind of a nasty kind of world yeah. to be spending time in. Um you know, no one's nice like the mother is a really, really, really horrible person. Yeah. And you wonder if she'd just been a bit sound or maybe you have that element of whiplash though with it whereby they're having the coffee and she's like i made you a champion because i didn't like molly coddle you or like wasn't nice to you so you have that messed up thing Mm. um yeah anyway so uh, there's a sufian steven song called tanya harding that he released that they couldn't fit into the film because it's too nice Mm. um the last film that we're just going to preview in this epic epic reviews and previews chunk is black panther so I haven't seen this much kind of momentum on a film in any, like, I don't mean, okay. Best superhero movie ever, ever, ever. Well, yeah, but even just, like, reading stuff from, like, different, like, civil rights groups about how great it is and, like, like just the, a generation of, like, American kids and teenagers will see, oh, look, there's a film that has, like, all black people and doesn't have to be a fucking Medea's... Um, you know Eddie Murphy. You know the, the oh yeah the, the, the stuff yes. that you see. They call it the BET network in America. Yeah, like with the, the Black Mrs. Brown's Boys. Yeah, and and this sort of thing. So to just see a cool superhero film. Now the stuff that's sort of been hidden in a lot of the marketing is that Martin Freeman is in this film play, and Andy Serkis plays a big. So it's not an entirely um, ca- like black cast, but it certainly seems like a film that has really really good fun nice nods to kind of african culture that a lot of american people have and as you mentioned donald glover um the outfit. oh the premiere yeah, yeah that was so, fantastic so anyway, google just google donald glover premiere of black panther yeah and uh so ryan kogler did um fruitvale station and creed uh creed creed's brilliant an incredible film yeah. i don't know where you're like what so um i yeah it's out february 13th so that's her uh, tuesday i guess and Valentine's um, Day Eve. Yeah, The Shape of Water is out on Valentine's Day. Aww. An interesting one as a, a date movie. Um, but yeah, that's about it. And and Kendrick Lamar is doing the music. For Don't Black go Panther. see The Shape of Water on Valentine's Day because it'll be full of gobshites who are like, oh, it's a love story. Yeah, we'll go see this and then they'll ruin it for you. If you want to see it, wait a couple of days. <laughs> okay, good tips. Um, good to know. Yeah. So elsewhere in the world of film, it's February. Which means... Only one thing. Only one thing. Adif. A oh, I thought you meant the Oscars there. The, no, we'll, that'll be at the end. Um, no, Adif, the Audi Dublin International Film Festival. Yeah. So we've talked about this every year, but it's our film festival and we, yeah, we'll of course be interested in some of the stuff. I continue to have an issue with the timing. <laughs> so therefore, the slate of films, I always think about what if they held it in October after the London Film Festival what kind of films they could possibly get it'd just be a lot better but anyway um i've got two you've got a pick or two have you one or two yeah yeah, yeah. so i guess one of mine is a film that isn't out for a couple of weeks beforehand so it's a great coup for them to get it's wes anderson's isle of dogs 
I love dogs. You love dogs. I love dogs. We love dogs. So, um, animated Japanese dogs, island, stop motion-y kind of thing. Loads of, you know, voice talent. That's great. Phenomenal voice talent. Also, just Wes Anderson. I knew it was kind of common because I'd read the thing. And then, I can't remember what film we were going to. And the first thing came up and I knew what it was. And I instantly had a mini gasp because I was like... I'm going to see a trailer for like a new Wes Anderson film. This is going yeah. to be fantastic. And it was brilliant. Like I just didn't move for like the two and a half minutes and just kind of soaked it up. So it's great when like a director of film still kind of has that effect on you. And it's rare that you have those moments. Like, yeah, only Wes Anderson and Woody Allen for you. Um, uh, do you want to do a pick? Yeah, uh, I'll open with the, you know, with the gala one. That's probably sold out by now. But anyway, uh, Black 47 is directed by Lance Daly, who would have done Kisses from a good few years back. Uh, basically, a revenge film set in the famine. Um, Hugo Weaving is in it. Uh, sounds very impressive. And yeah, so if you can still pick up tickets for that, mm. that's... I think Mo Dunford's in there and uh, lots of stuff like that. I was mm. reading uh, Cine Aaron and uh, the great Mo Dunford preview in it. And um, he's got about seven films out this year. Ma. So ridiculous. Kind of a big soft spot for Mo Dunford. He's yeah. very... Yeah, he's great in... Um, Striking out, yeah. The Michael TV inside. Things? Oh yeah, uh, Michael inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he has a, a big kind of year coming up. And another one for me is the Lonely Battle of Thomas Reed. It's on Saturday, February twenty fourth, in the Lighthouse. Um, and it's about a Kildare farmer, Thomas Reed's, uh, kind of fighting against Intel over land rights and stuff, compulsory purchase orders. So looks really good documentary. Very good. Um, I've also got you were never really here. The new Lynn Ramsey uh, film, Joaquin Phoenix, is in it. Um, yeah, 8.30 on the 26th of February on a Monday in the Lighthouse. I think it's still available. She's also there. Um, so you could talk to her about Ratcatcher or uh, we need to talk about Kevin um, and stuff like that. Brilliant. Uh, another one, uh, Kissing Candice, directed by Aoife McCardle. And um, just kind of a relationship got great kind of buzz kind of come behind it. And um, it has John Clark's original score in it. So that's on Friday the 2nd of March in the Lighthouse Cinema as well. I see the IFI has got on board this year without if they're so, showing some films. Mm, the Savoy is gone, so they don't really have a big I like, think scr- surprise. Screen 17 and Cineworld seems to be their big thing. Yeah, but then the surprise film is in the, the point. It's in all of the point, though. Did you realise that? It's in all of the screens. Oh, right. That's what they did for Paddington. Okay. They, they, the, the point seems willing to give the whole thing over. Does that mean, has it sold out? Or they I can just... doubt it. And it's sponsored now as well by like maybe 98FM or food, what's the food company? The Just Eat? Just Eat, um, I think. So it might actually be a big one. No offence to previous ones, but you never know. Yeah. It's a great premise. I love the idea of seeing... I would have loved to see The Shape of Water... Without knowing anything about it and just seeing it as a... Um, anything else? Uh, final one then for me is The Delinquent Season. It's directed by Mark Rowe. Um, it's his first feature debut. He's kind of written Intermission and Boya and stuff like that. But it stars uh, Killian Murphy and loads of other kind of Irish casts. So one to watch. Might be selling fast. So I'd probably kind of, you know, jump on the bandwagon and get some tickets. All right. So we will leave it there. Um... We yeah. are going to just wrap up with our scene it, which is uh, this possibly is Daniel De Lewis's uh, final. I actually don't think it'll be his final performance on screen. I think he'll probably go away for. No, it's bullshit. Yeah, he'll go he'll away go for away another five, ten yeah. years. Because um, he only does one thing at a time. He'll go away now. He'll do the awards thing, make some shoes. This is like and read the paper, and we'll hear from him again yeah. in seven years. That David Lynch has signed him up for the next season. <sighs> don't of tease Twin me. Peaks. Yeah. And it's going to be great. Um, so anyway, his previous uh, collaboration with PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson, was, of course, the incredible There Will Be Blood. Um, so this is a hard one, maybe, to audio uh, sort of capture the, the the madness of this. But Nine and seven, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, it's the famous um, I drink your milkshake scene. So Fantastic. you can Google and watch the thing on the YouTube if you want. But anyway, we'll be back in uh, about two, three weeks with our Oscars uh, preview where we'll be picking all of our picks across the categories. There's not much in play, it seems, at the minute. I don't know. You love a good Weinstein isn't there, you know, so some outsiders might win. Yeah, so we'll see what what happens. Best picture is obviously mad, but uh, we will... Get out won't win. That'll be bonkers. 
be amazing, wouldn't it? So we'll see. So anyway, here is DDL in There Will Be Blood. And we'll see you. Thanks for... You're not the chosen brother, Eli. It was Paul who was chosen. As he, he found me and told me about your land, which is to fall. Why are you talking about I did what Paul? your brother Don't couldn't. Say I this broke you and I beat you. It was Paul who told me about you. He's the prophet. He's the smart one. He knew what was there and he found me to take it out of the ground. You know what the funny thing is? Listen, listen, listen. I paid him $10,000 cash in hand. Just like that. He has his own company now. A prosperous little business. Three wells producing $5,000 a week. Stop crying, you sniveling ass. Stop your nonsense. You're just the afterbirth, Eli. No. Slithered out on your mother's filth. No. They should have put you in a glass jar on the mantelpiece. Where were you when Paul was suckling at his mother's teeth? Where were you? Who was nursing you, poor Eli? One of Bandit's sounds. That land has been had. Nothing you can do about it. It's gone. It's had. If you would just you take this lease, Daniel. Drain! So sorry. If you have a milkshake, and I have a milkshake, and I have a straw, there it is. That's a straw, you see. Watch it. My straw reaches across the room and starts to drink your milkshake. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up! Don't bully me, Daniel! I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.